0: What's going on everybody? Welcome in again to another edition of the voice of Camp Nathaniel here on October the 15th. And uh, man, I'm excited. Stephen Bell here with me as always is the vivacious Lee Sharp,
1: Lee Sharp. It's Lee Sharp here with you today, guys. Um, I actually don't know if I know what these words are. It it just means lively. Lively.
0: Yeah. I hope I pronounced it right. I hope so.
1: If we (laughs) pronounced it wrong, feel free to correct us. (laughs) Yeah, really.
0: Hey, man, it's a uh, it's a different show today. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to be. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it here. During the summertime, yeah, we have a very special week during the summer called Family Camp. Yes, we do, and this is something that you actually help lead up.
0: Yes, indeed, man. I listen. I get excited about Family Camp, and we had we had a blast this past summer.
1: We did. And during Family Camp, we try to we have speakers that come in and talk to all of our families about all kinds of different things. And this year, we had pastor pete and
0: pastor pete yeomans from davidson baptist church right yep. here in our backyard
1: yeah and he was actually on the podcast uh, you know what, a,
0: he might have been was he the first one he was the first ever episode on the new format of the podcast the that we do uh, twice a month now so All he right. was the first one back on february 1st yes absolutely insane isn't it
1: it is it Feels like forever ago and yet at the same time it feels like
0: it was yesterday. That's true. And and I'm excited to get to hear from Pastor Pete again. Yeah. All all via recorded. But it's still. recorded,
1: yes. So what we do during Family Camp, um, Pastor Pete came and spoke to us in multiple different sessions. Yeah. And so what we've got for you guys today is a I guess a sample of one of those sessions. We're gonna play you. It's the last time that everybody was together so this so is session seven session seven um if you want to see all of the sessions we've got them on our youtube channel if you look yeah. up camp nathaniel on youtube you can find it and you can see all the different sessions that are on there
0: and some of you may be listening to this and didn't realize that but you can go back and you can check out quite a few videos of
1: even past uh, years uh, even of family past camps. Years.
0: that's right all available on the camp nathaniel youtube channel
1: and so we've got the final section that we're going to listen to today. He was doing an entire series out of the book of Kings. Yeah. Um, today's sermon, that I guess it's a sermon that you would be it listening to, um, was on King Josiah. Um, some of you uh, more astute students of the Bible may know that that was the guy who came to become a king at eight years old. We all get to be Old Testament scholars on the program today. You get to be an eight-year-old king, if you can imagine that. Um, but, I just imagine my eight-year-old being king, and that will not end well. But, but the but the amazing thing is that he was one of the kings that actually got some stuff right in yeah, his life. And that. when he got around eighteen, he got rid of some of the other idols and whatnot in there. And Pete's going to go into all the details of all of that. Awesome. Um, and so, guys, we're gonna. The audio may be a little bit different um, because kind of keep in mind this was done at family camp in front yep. of a,
0: a live a, recording, a live
1: audience, yep. a live congregation. However, you want to phrase it there. Outdoors, so, outdoors. So Sorry. the audio is going to be a little bit different there, guys. But we're excited, so we'll jump. In. I'll just let Pete. We'll let Pete take the take the stage now.
2: Take and it we'll, away, Pete. We'll go for it. One of the things that I hope I did was kind of set the stage for uh, you to uh, learn more about the prophets. It's not just about these stories, but you learning more. And, and for that reason, every night we've talked about this, uh, the elements of this story. And if you if you take that home, you, as you read through the the, the Kings, this is going to kind of give you a, a template to be looking at. And it's going to help you to see uh, not only... Uh, how they responded to God but then God being gracious as he would allow them even though they messed up even though they failed he'd say something like this that he was not going to destroy the nation because of the promises he made to Abraham or to David or to both of those in fact if you'll watch it in the uh, books of the prophets read them And pay attention if you're going if you see that there's going to be judgment it will always be because they did not keep the mosaic law but in almost every almost every one of the prophets almost every one of them there is a restatement of the fact that God is going to bless Abraham and he's going to regather the nation that's a continual promise it's not just mentioned once or twice But it's Jeremiah, it's Isaiah, everywhere you go. And that can help you kind of have a background for when you're reading the Old Testament. Remember what I said when we looked at the idea of progressive revelation? Where do you start? You start at the beginning. And so you build upon that. And I hope that that will uh, be an encouragement to you uh, as you you read the Word of God. I'm hoping some of the things that we've taught this week will go, oh, I remember what Pastor Pete said. And it'll help <coughs> you grow and build and develop your faith in Christ. <coughs> Question for you. Uh, why did you come here to camp? Now, I know. Hopefully you came to have fun. I mean, I'm, I hope you did. In fact, I know you did. Uh, I appreciate so much camp. Uh, the food is always excellent here. I tell folks, I said, uh, the worst meal I've ever had here is better than most meals I've had any, at any other camp. I'm telling the truth there, and and so the, the meals I right hear are awesome, and I've and I have eaten them for 36 years. Okay, uh, they they've made me this man I am today. <laughs> and so seriously, I've enjoyed uh, in in Clark, but I want to tell you something. Just I sometimes you watch things, watch the, the workers. Clark and that staff have taught them how to minister. Joy on their faces, getting things done. I'm finishing pouring the drink, and they're going, do you need more? They're watching. The kids over at the, at the horse, horse thing, whatever the horse thing is, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they're going around. It's not just they're, they're dragging this horse around with kids on it, but the, 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 work, the staff that's leading them is talking to the kids. Do you know how big that is for kids? That an older person will talk to them? That tells them that they care. And I want to I want to thank the summer staff. You guys are great. I've watched you. Yeah. And, and the, the full-time staff is the ones that set that, that example. And I really appreciate it. That, the, the, the full-time staff, most of, I've known most of them, although, with the new guys coming in, and I'm going, okay, who's this? Who's this? But um, I've known the staff for years, and uh, I consider them my friends. I don't know if they consider me their friends, but I consider them my friends, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but I ask the question: Why? Why did you come here? Uh, now, I hope that you came to have fun. I hope that you came to be refreshed. Uh, I hope there's a. But when you came here for the services, what did you come? Why did you come? Uh, You say, well, I I, I hope to hear a good message or I hope to hear a good story. Well, I hope you did as well. But I want more than that for your life because I've told people in our church, God does not give us his book for information. He gives it to us for transformation. He gives it to us so that our life might be changed to become more like Jesus. And so if you leave here... And you are the same person that you came. And you've been here for all these messages. One of two things has happened. I haven't done my job or you're not doing your job. One of those two. Because God's wanting to change us. Amen? And he wants us to be something more. That's why he's, he's desiring for us to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, as we look at the man tonight, (coughs) Josiah, and we're in the book of 2 Kings chapter 22, we're going to see once again another great man. But you have to understand the background before you can understand it. Each night I've been doing that, haven't I? We said, how many good kings were there in the southern kingdom? Eight. 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 How many in the northern kingdom? Zero. Zero. By this time, the northern kingdom is gone. Remember, during the time of Hezekiah, the northern kingdom was destroyed. Hezekiah was a king like no other. We saw how the Bible specifically says that there was not a man like him, not a king like him before or after. And after him, boy, things went down fast. He had a son named Manasseh. And Manasseh was the worst of the worst. Now, remember, we said that there were eight good kings. That means there were twelve bad kings. And Manasseh and his son Ammon were the two worst. What made it even more worse? Is that more, more <laughs> worse? worse? Worse. Worser. is the fact that he lived for 55 years. So for he's the longest reigning king in the southern kingdom. And so when you've been around for 55 years, you have impacted a nation so that it's much like you. He brought in, not so much the Baals, although he did that, but he brought in the, the, the god Molech. Remember we talked about him? We talked about the fact that, they gave, that he would let his sons pass through the fire. That's a term for meaning that he had some of his children given as human sacrifices. What a terrible thing that he did and he was godless, and he was away from God. In fact, this is how bad it was. There comes a time that God sends a prophet and says, listen, because of Manasseh and all he's done, Judah's condemned. There's no I am going to judge them. Well, that's pretty tough. After him, Ammon comes. Ammon's so bad that his own workers kill him. He's another one that was assassinated. And out of that comes a young boy named Josiah, eight years old. Now, I'm sorry, but if you've had a grandpa like Manasseh and a daddy like Ammon, you'd think, well, there's not a whole lot of hope for this guy. But what does the Bible say? As we've been looking at these things, let's look at what the Bible says in the book of 2 Kings, chapter uh, 22. Second Kings 22 says uh, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah the daughter of Adiah of uh, Boscah. Sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing here. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and turned not aside. To the right hand or to the left? Now, the Bible tells us in those short verses there, what kind of man was he? He was a good man. And he loved God and he did that which was right in his eyes and he did not not turn to the right hand or left. You go and watch his life and he's a man that has a heart for God. One of the first things he does is this. It was my fault, I just was in a bad spot. Uh, One of the things he does is he looks and says, you know what? The temple's in a mess. We need to fix it up. That showed his heart because I want to tell you something. When a man's heart is right with God, what does he want? The things of God to be right. And so he decides that if you recall, uh, Joash, when he became king, if you recall, the person before him was Athaliah. What did Athaliah do? She messed up the temple. So Joash fixed it up. Now Josiah, he is a man that um, comes after two really bad men. What do you think the temple looked like? 55 years plus two, 57 years of the king not taking care of the temple. It's in bad shape. And the Bible says that he orders the men to start doing renovations. Now, what I find interesting is how this story works out. Here's a man that follows God. He loves God. He's serving God. And in fact, the Bible says, and it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king set out Shaphan, the son of uh, Azalel, the son of Meshulah, uh, the scribe, to the house of the Lord. And what does he tell him? He says, let's start cleaning up the place. 18 years old. I, want to, I just want to stop here. Here's a man that I'm sure had a lot of ungodly people around him giving him bad advice. I mean, think with me. Who's, who's giving him advice? The people that were advising his grandpa and his dad. But here's a man that decided at a young age to mark out the path on his own. I want to tell you something. I want to encourage those the the summer staff and others. You do not have to be an old person to start serving God. In fact, let me encourage you. If you wait till you're old, you probably won't serve God. Statistics show time and time again that the prime age where most people come to Christ and most people get serious about serving God is in their teenage years. I the countless people that I know. It's in there uh, 12, 13, 14, 15. And you have a lifetime to give. I heard a story one time of a person that said uh, that uh, they're talking about a baptism. And they said, said, man, we had three and a half people get baptized today. (laughs) Three and a half people. Yeah, we had three and a half people. And the one person says, oh, you mean three adults and one child. In other words, the child is a half. And he says, no, I said, three, I meant three children and one adult. Because the adult, his life is halfway over. But the child's life has much more capabilities and potential. Make it a choice at a young age. You do. There's, there is always going to be pressure. I don't care at what age. But make a point at your... Isn't that what Daniel did? Daniel... It wasn't when he was old, it was when he was young that Daniel purposed in his heart. And that's what we need. We, need, By the way, that, let, me, let me just push again. Parents, this is your responsibility. You need to be encouraging your, your, your folks. You need to be encouraging your children to love and serve God. And they need to see what that looks like by how you live and by how you serve and by how you give. Amen? Amen? And so that needs to be a, a priority. <coughs> the reason why young... You know, when I was growing up... When I was growing up... <laughs> was growing up uh, you know, it was, it was almost assumed you were going to go to a Bible college. It was almost assumed that you were... Unless you were dragged in another direction, you were going to go into some sort of ministry. You were going to at least get a year at, at uh, Word of Life or some Bible college like that. Nowadays, it's the exact opposite. And it's like, well, they've got so much to live for. They've got so much that they can do. They've got so much riches. Man, it's hard to get them away from all of that to say, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. And so Josiah is a man That decides that he is going to mark the path out on his own, and he says that he's going to serve God, and he does, and he and he builds the uh, he he uh, he starts cleaning up the temple. The story tells us how bad it was, because in the midst of this, the Bible says as they're cleaning away the junk, there must have been a whole lot of junk. As they're cleaning away the junk. Somebody pulls up a scroll. Now you need to understand in those days, Bibles were not like this. Bibles were on either a parchment or a vellum. Uh, they were either on papyrus or they were on, or on a, a form of leather, papyr- uh, a parchment, and they would be on a roll. One book would be huge. I'm here to tell you, it would be a task for you to be able to carry even the first five books of the Bible. They're huge, all right? They're on scrolls. And so as they're cleaning through all this mess, somebody says, what do we got here? And they open it on up, and it evidently was the book of Deuteronomy. Now, here's the amazing thing. As they're looking at it, they don't know really what it is. There's not, the priests do not know what God was expecting of them. Can you imagine that? The, the king didn't know what was expected of him. Now, if you recall, what did I tell you the king was supposed to do when he became king? <clears throat> he was supposed to write for himself a copy of this book. But Josiah never did that. And it wasn't out of disobedience. It was because he had never been told that he was supposed to. Because he had never seen one of these books. Thanks to daddy and grandpa and so they bring it to him and they read it and notice what it says here in the Word of God uh, in chapter 22 it says first uh, verse, verse 9 and and the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said the servants have gathered the money and have found the house uh, they was found in house and delivered it into the hands of those that do the work that have the oversight of the house thereof. And Shaphan the priest, the scribe, showed the king, saying, "Uh, uh, Hilkiah the priest has delivered uh, me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now, I want you to catch it. He opens up the book. It's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy has 34 chapters in it. And what does it say? He read the whole thing. He didn't say, just give me a couple verses to to, to get me through the day. He says, okay, I want to hear the whole book. And the Bible says that as he's reading the book, and if you understand the book, the book of Deuteronomy is an amazing book. If you've not taken time to read it, and you need to read it, and then you need to read it again, and then you need to read it again, because one of the primary things about this book is this. We are supposed to love the Lord our God. And within that book also, God warned the nation of Israel of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience because they were under the Mosaic Covenant. By the way, we're not under that and we're not under the curse of that. But they were. They were under In other words, disobedience would bring curses, including being cast out of the land. And so he's reading this book to, to Josiah. What does the Bible say happens? Verse 11, and it came to pass when the king heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ah Ahiakim the son of Shaphan, and Achor uh, the son of Milkiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that is written concerning us. What does Josiah... Now, now I want you to understand, Josiah has already been obeying God. He's already, as far as what he knew he was doing, he was had taken away the idols. He had been doing all that he could, but he had limited knowledge. And now all of us, by the way, he could have felt very proud of himself simply by comparing what he was to his father and his grandpa. He, He was doing pretty good, wasn't he? But when he heard God's word, we need to understand it's never about comparing ourselves to others. It's what does God's word say? And he heard and he understood that because of the condition of Israel or Judah, they were in trouble. And he tears his clothes, a sign of genuine remorse over what he had done. And then he he asks, let's find out what God is going to do. You see, he hasn't heard the word of God, but he's wanting to. And when he heard it, remember what I said, God's not concerned about our information but for our transformation. We're watching a transformation here. And what God is trying to do in your life through this week is not just give you some tools so that you can study the Word of God better, but He's wanting to transform you in some area. And I don't know what that is. I've had a few of you share different things that God's been seeking in your heart to. Me. And it's interesting how very different things. That's good. I'm not God and I'm not the Holy Spirit. But you are being talked to by God, and some of you have been saying, well, It's good what, but hey, I work at camp, so I must be all right. I'm a full-time Christian worker, so I must be okay. I go to church. I came and spent my summer at a Christian camp. We can find all sorts of ways of excusing our walk with God or lack of it. But Josiah was serious. He did not care what others were doing. What he understood, and this is an important truth, that if he wanted for God to speak to him, then when God spoke, he needed to listen. Have you ever had somebody ask for your opinion and you give them your opinion and they do the exact opposite? Y'all been there. Now imagine with me if I came to you and said, I need your opinion about something. Here's the situation and I, I really need your opinion, I value your opinion. What, you know, you're a friend of mine, I, I need to know, what should I do? And you tell me something, I look at you and say, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What, how did you come up with that ridiculous idea? A few weeks later, I come and say, man, I'm, I'm in real trouble. You're a really, really good friend, and, and, and I, need some, I need to get out of this trouble. What should I do? And, You kind of hesitate. You remember what I did just two weeks before. So you're a little more cautious. And you say, well, I'm not sure, but here's an idea. I don't want to get himself in trouble now. So here's an idea of what you might consider. And you give me an idea, and I look and say, I hate to say it, but that's dumber than the last one you gave me. And I just belittle you and don't do it. I come a third time. And as soon as I start saying, I'm in trouble and need your opinion, what are you going to do? You're going to walk away and say, sorry, don't talk to me about it. Find someone else. And yet that's exactly what we do with God. We go to the Word, we read the Bible, we have our devotions, but we have no intention of letting it touch our lives. We're just fulfilling our little duty of saying, I've read two chapters today. And what we're doing is fulfilling a legalistic thing, and I'm not against it. I think we need to read the Word of God, but if it's not changing you, you know what it's actually doing? It's hardening you. Let me repeat that: if the Word of God is not changing you, it's hardening you. If you're, if if God's Word says something, you say, "I'm not going to do it," and it turns around, and the next day God's Word speaks something, and you say, "I'm not going to do it." The next, you know what you're learning to say? No. And that's the dangerous thing. But Josiah Josiah takes this seriously. And the Bible says that he goes and they go to the prophetess Huldah and he, she gives him advice. And the Bible tells us that what he, she says is simply this, that judgment's going to come because of what Manasseh has done. But, but, because you found grace in God's eyes and your heart's been turned toward me. It will not happen in your lifetime. Now at that point, Josiah could have said, I can rest easy. But that's not what he did. The Bible says that he made a decision. Notice what it says in verse chapter 23, verse 1. And the king sent and gathered all of the elders of Judah and of Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Judah with him, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart, with all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book and all the people stood by the covenant. There's another passage of Scripture that's tied in with that. Notice what it says in verse 25. I want you to pay attention to this. This is the summary of Josiah's life. It says... Now, before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his mind, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did arise any like him. Now, what's he saying? He's saying that in the area of following God, in the area of, of, of serving God, there was no one like him. And he uses three statements. And it's important because you see, in the book of uh, of Deuteronomy, God said this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one." This is known as the Shema. This is the great commandment. Shema means here. In other words, listen, O Israel. What is the great commandment? The Lord our God is one. And what are we to do? You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. All your soul, all your strength. What did Josiah do? He followed the Lord with all his heart, all of his soul, all of his strength. You know what it's saying? He's saying in Josiah, you find somebody that fulfilled what God expected in the book of Deuteronomy. That's high praise. that's, That's saying something great about this man. Jesus, at one point, was quizzed on this. What is the greatest commandment? And what did he say right here thou shalt love the Lord thy God here we see a man that's following God and because of that now now here here's what I want you to understand he could have just kind of said glad everything's alright I'm going to go on cruise control but what does he do when God revealed truth to him he said fellas let's get together let's go deeper Let's get more serious. We've been following God, but we've been way off. We haven't been serious. And he made a new covenant with the people. Josiah is a man that is is the the one king that's mentioned that specifically fulfilled this area in the heart, the soul, and strength. Now, that's the one lesson we learned, but I want to finish up a story here. For remember, we talked about this being from the shepherd king to the king of kings. We need to understand that Josiah was a great man, but he wasn't perfect. The Bible doesn't call what he did sin, but I think we can definitely see it as stupid. You know, not everything that's stupid sin. Aren't you glad? Because you did today some stupid things that weren't sin. Yeah, some of you got out there and got sunburned. That's stupid. It wasn't sin, all right? You know what I'm talking about. But the, but, but the Bible says one day Pharaoh Nico comes through the land. Now, you got to understand. Remember who had been during the time of Hezekiah ruling over the world? Assyria. But there was a new and upcoming power. Babylon. Babylon... And Israel and Judah had kind of made a peace treaty or at least became friends all the way back in the time of Hezekiah. In fact, he kind of made some mistakes and God warned him that there was going to come a day that they were going to come back. But at this point, Judah wants to be friends with Babylon and Pharaoh wants to be friends with Assyria. And so Pharaoh's going to have to come from Egypt up to the, uh, up into the area of Syria and in that area, to do battle. He's gonna be on the side of Assyria against Babylon. The only problem is, is, to do that, he's gotta come through Judah. And he says to Josiah, listen, I need to come on through here. I'm gonna bring my army. He says, but we're not gonna cause no problems. We're not here to fight no battle. Uh, in fact, we need to be on the expressway, the fast lane. We've got to get up to a battle. And Josiah is thinking, ah, wait a second. If I detain him or fight against him, I'm going to make buddies with Babylon. And so he says, you can't come through. And Pharaoh says, I'm going to. He says, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Back and forth. And finally, he says, I'm coming to fight you. And Pharaoh says, don't get yourself in somebody else's fight. You're just going to hurt yourself. And the Bible says that Josiah didn't listen. And because of that, he goes to battle. And in the battle, he ends up being killed. At the peak of his, of his ministry, he's killed because he did something that kind of he wanted to show off. That he was, that he was going to protect a, a Babylon. What's even sadder is how this all ends up. You see, after his death, there are no more good kings. What's unusual is out of the, there's four more kings. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. That will be on your final exam. Um, and, and, and so when he dies, his second oldest son, I don't know why the second oldest, but Jehoahaz becomes king. Well, when Egypt comes back down, they're not happy. Remember, Pharaoh Nico had been de- detained and, and harassed by him. So he comes on through and says, um, we're taking you back down to Egypt. And he kicks Jehoahaz out. The Bible says he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he puts in Jehoiakim. Now, Jehoiakim is another one of Josiah's sons. And he's just as bad. It is during his kingdom that Babylon comes down. Now remember, his daddy was trying to fight to make friends and make nice with Babylon. But Babylon comes, and if you read the book of Daniel, that's when he took Daniel and all the gold out of the temple and everything else. And he takes him back to Babylon. Babylon. But he lets for a while, that's in 606 or 605, Lets let's us Jehoiakim stay there. A little bit later, he rebels, but he dies. And his his son takes over. So, okay, son of Josiah, son of Josiah, grandson. He comes in and he's there and he really didn't, he kind of got the raw end of the deal. He was a bad guy, But Nebuchadnezzar comes back and kicks him out simply because of what his daddy did. His daddy died just before Nebuchadnezzar got there. That's that's really rough. So they take him and they take him back and this is about the time that Ezekiel is taken back to Babylon and all of them. So they put one last son of Josiah. So he has three sons that rule. His name's Zedekiah. We can call him Zed. Zedekiah, again, was evil. But he also was gutless. You say, what do you mean? Well, the people of Israel would do something terrible and be away from God, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar would be planning on coming back, and Zedekiah would go to Jeremiah and say, what should I do? I'm sorry, doesn't this sound a little bit like what I was just talking about? What should I do? And he'd say, Zed, what you need to do is you need to go out and meet Nebuchadnezzar. And if you'll meet Nebuchadnezzar and say, listen, I'm sorry, let's kiss and make up. He's going to let you go. And he'd say, man, that's a great idea. He'd go back to the temple and uh, go back to the palace and he'd talk to some other folks. And he'd say, I better not do what he said. And the next time there was trouble, he'd go back to Jeremiah say, what should I do? And he'd tell him. And you know what would happen? He'd go back and other people would convince him to do otherwise. That happened several times. If you study the book of Jeremiah, several times he asks questions. And then he doesn't have the guts to do what's right because it's tough. Unlike Josiah, when Josiah heard God's word, what did he do? He obeyed. When Zedekiah heard from God, he said, can't do it. That's too tough. The story ends very sadly. Nebuchadnezzar surrounds the city. It's about to be captured for the third time. It is 586 now. And this time, Nebuchadnezzar is not going to play nice. When it's all said and done, The nation is going to be destroyed. Anybody with any talents at all are going to be deported. The temple will be destroyed and everything gutted out of it. The walls of Jerusalem will be destroyed so they can't ever rebel again. It's going to be over. And for at least 70 years, there's going to be a problem. It's looking bad. The king is not going to be a king anymore. This is the last king that will ever be in Jerusalem. In fact, when they finally come back, after 70 years, a, a, a relative of David will be the governor, but he won't ever be king. You may have heard of him. guy in the name of Zerubbabel. Uh, I love all these easy names, right? So, things are looking dark. The nation knows, first of all, they can't call on God because they've been spitting in his face for so long. And so, it's looking bad. So, In the midst of that, God gives them a message. It's from Jeremiah. Because remember, God had made a promise. He had made it to the woman, Eve. He'd made it to Abraham. And finally, He made it to David. So as things are getting dark, and it's about ready for the nation to be destroyed, the Bible says in this passage of Scripture, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform the good thing. There's nothing good going on here. The good thing that I promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a branch of righteousness. By the way, do you notice something about the word branch? Capitalize. This is a name, a description, and a term for our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's used in Isaiah, it's used in Jeremiah, and it's used in Zechariah. Notice, he will execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah shall be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name by which she shall be called. She meaning Jerusalem. The Lord our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. Now, he's saying this, and he uses the term Israel. Why? Israel's been destroyed. Because there's going to come a day when Judah and Israel are going to be back together. And notice what he... By the way, has this ever happened? No? Okay. Kind of quiet here. Has this ever happened? Has Israel ever been righteous since that time? Has they ever been following God? When Jesus showed up, did they say, Whoa, our Messiah is here. Let's follow. No, they didn't, did they? This has never been fulfilled. Now, remember what I said? God must be faithful to his own word. If he promises something, what must he do? Keep it. He will, must keep it. He's got to fulfill his word. And so this was a prophecy that's not been fulfilled. You know what that tells me? There's going to be a coming time when Jesus is going to come back. And he is going to be the one that sets as righteous on the throne. And notice what, it, what it's going to do. It's going to cause the city of Jerusalem to be righteous once again. Another verse. Same section. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with the day and the night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the descendants of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will cause their captives to return and will have mercy on them. I love that. Have mercy on them. Do you understand what this is all about? I, I, go, I, I have an opportunity to go to the Middle East. And you need to understand something about the the Middle East. They have been taught since they were little boys and girls that God has no plan for Israel, that God's not going to keep His word. In fact, that gives them justification for fighting. And I had a group of men that I taught several classes. We had gone through hermeneutics. We had gone through Old Testament. We had gone through um, uh, Genesis. And now we were in the book of Daniel, and we were talking one day. And where we're setting... I can look where I'm sitting over the olive uh, groves down below in the soccer fields, and over the valley and the next valley, and somewhere in those valleys down over there, it's Jerusalem, or I'm, I'm sorry, Israel, and all of that. And I'm looking there one day, and and we've been talking for years by this time. They're my friends, and I said to them, according to this passage in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel when when when. Uh, when the Antichrist shows up, will the people of Israel be good or bad? And they answered, bad. I said, how do you know that? And it says, because they're going to make a co- covenant with the devil, man. The antichrist they, They're going to make a covenant that he's going to break. And I went through and I asked them several questions. They got wound up on it. And all of a sudden I'm saying, so they're wicked and they're godless and yet God is going to show them mercy according to this. Yes. And I looked and I pointed over across the way, over the valley, and I says, doesn't that sound an awful lot like those folks over there right now? And their mouths opened up. And I says, you need to understand, what God is doing, going to do for Israel, is not because they deserve anything. This is not about the goodness of Israel. This is about the grace of God. And if you and I don't catch that, we're going to miss out on great things for ourselves as well. Do you you know why God has blessed you? It's not because you're so special. It's not because you're wonderful. It's not because you're more spiritual than your neighbor. It's because God has chosen to show you mercy and grace. Just like He is going to sometime in the future... Show mercy to them. That's exactly what He's doing to every individual here. If you're not saved, I want to tell you something. God is showing you mercy to give you one more day to live, to hear the Word of God, and to make a choice to trust Him as Savior. He is being merciful. He's not promised you another day, but He's given it to you. And yet every day, you and I have been given mercy to live, to serve Him, to enjoy life, to have family. What are, you, can't, you cannot even list all of the mercies of the Lord. We used to sing a song, I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. God's been good to you, hasn't he? And yet we somehow miss out on that. And so what we're seeing here is God made promises. And he made promises to the people of Israel. And did you notice what, what he talks about here? Promises to David, promises to Abraham. And if you were here at their very first study, we looked at the book of of, uh, Matthew. And what did we see in chapter 1? The genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And there's a tie-in. If you'll look and read in the New Testament, just pay attention to how many times these terms are mentioned concerning Jesus. When he mentions about him being the son of David, if he's ruling from heaven, he doesn't have to be the son of David, he's the son of God. But he's going to rule someday here because he's got the right as the son of David. And also the name Christ. That's not his name. That's his title. That's the term Messiah. And so every time you say his name, you are you are saying, whether you realize or not, he's coming someday to rule. Because he's God's anointed one. What do we learn? First of all, in this story, and the overall picture of this week, if we want God to truly speak, he expects us to truly listen to his word. I see a cartoon on Facebook sometime where somebody's saying, I just want God to speak to me. And you see a hand come out of heaven with a Bible in it. If you want God to speak to you, I'm sorry, don't expect him to speak in some mysterious voice. He has spoken and he has not stuttered. The Bible says in the book of 2 Peter that he has given us all things which pertain to life and godliness. Right here, you have what you need to live the life Jesus wants you to. That's the reason why in 2 Timothy, it says all scriptures given by inspiration of God. For uh, doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God might be perfect, completely furnished unto all good works. In other words, this book's enough. Our problem is not the book, it's us listening to it. So if we want God to speak, we need to listen. Second of all, we need to understand that incomplete obedience is disobedience. Josiah understood that. He had been obeying God as much as he knew. But when God showed him the book and he heard it, he understood, I'm in trouble. Tore his clothes. Wanted to hear from the prophet and cause the people to be obedient with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. That's what God wants from us. And third, God is faithful to show His kindness based upon the promises that He's made to us. He's faithful. You see, the reason why I have faith that God will take me to heaven someday and I will spend eternity with Him and all the blessings that He's promised, you know why I believe that? Because He showed Himself faithful in the Old Testament to continue to keep His word and because He kept His word to them, I expect Him to keep His word to me. Isn't that reasonable? But if he doesn't keep his word to them, why should I expect him to keep his word to me? In other words, if God will lie to them, he'll lie to me. And God will not lie. So I can rest in that, and I can trust in it. Had a, had a, a situation a few years ago with, with a family member. Uh, they were a teenager. And they they questioned whether they were saved or not. And, and so they came to me, and what was so interesting is I had faced the same issue after I got saved. I had given myself to, to follow Christ. I had gone to one year Bible school. I was actually working at a Christian camp, and it was eating me up. You know, I constantly was saying, Lord, if I'm saved, then I'd come up with some sign. You know, have the preacher sing three verses of this rather than four. I mean, all crazy stuff. I just wanted a sign that I was saved. And I, sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. <laughs> it's interesting, when it worked out, it didn't make me any happier. Because, and so finally, when I was at that camp, working there that summer, I went to one of the leaders and said, I don't know if I'm saved. He talked to me and he says, I want you to read the book of 1 John. And when you finish reading the book of 1 John, I want you to read the book of 1 John. And when you're done reading the book of 1 John, I want you to read the book of 1 John. Because the Bible says in the book of 1 John, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. And it was through that that I got assurance of my own salvation. Well, I did the same thing to this person. I I told him my story, and I said... I want you to do that, and I went through the whole thing. When you're done reading it, read it again. When you're done reading it, read it again. And I let a couple of weeks pass. I was talking to him one day, and I says, did you do what I asked? He says, yes, I did. And I says, well, what do you, what do you know now? He says, I believe I'm a Christian. And I says, why? See, what he was wanting is for me to tell him he was a Christian. But nobody's going to go to heaven based on me telling them they're a Christian. And so I says, why do you believe now that you're a Christian and that you are saved? And I'll never forget what they said. They says, I've done, I've read the passage over and over. And I have done what God commanded me to do. And all I can do is expect him to keep his word. And I said, that's the essence of faith. Me just believing that God's going to keep his word. Now, I don't know what area of your life you're struggling, struggling in today concerning God keeping his word. But if God has been keeping his word to a group of people for thousands of years, don't you think you can trust him for the things that you're going through? He's faithful. You can trust him. Would you pray with
1: me? Hey, this is Lee and Stephen again. Pete just finished up his message there on King Josiah. And you, you know, as you learn about the life of King Josiah, you learn that he, he started very young as the mm-hmm. king there, and then he made some really good choices. And then in the end of his life, well, it didn't, it didn't yeah, quite, it didn't quite all work out in the end there. Um, but as Pete pointed out, and something that, um, hopefully everybody who's reading through like the Book of Kings realizes mm-hmm. as you read through each of these kings, you read about some of them that do absolutely terrible things and some of them that do absolutely amazing things. But even the ones that do terror or even the ones that do amazing, it leaves this this hope that's in you of like, oh, one day if we could just have that that one king that just That would actually... That that would do it and wouldn't mess it all up and get it all right. And thankfully, we do have that guy. Lo and and behold. It is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's right, The the, the true king of the universe. And so we're just excited to be able to... We hope that listening to Pete there, um, we hope that that encouraged you. We Mm -hmm. hope that that blessed you. We hope that you can go out and maybe even go back into the book of Kings and read through it and realize that there's some really cool things that God was doing and working there. And we hope that it also gives you that little bit of a taste of what, kind of that hope for that true king and how that ultimately points us back to Jesus.
0: Absolutely, and we appreciate Pastor Pete so much. He is heavily involved here at Camp Nathaniel, uh, has been for quite some time, and we look forward to continuing to do ministry with him in the future. Uh, Hey, real quick, before we head out, um, we don't have all the details for you right now, but I know where you can find it. We've got some overnights still coming up, we do, and there's still room for them, so you need to head on over. If you are a grade, if you've got a child or a grandchild, grade school, middle school, uh, fourth and fifth grade and then sixth seventh and eighth grade mm-hmm. we have overnights coming up this fall you need to head on over to campnathaniel.org slash overnights and you can register your child to be part of that so make sure you get that taken care of Lee. it's yeah. been good it's been yeah. fun
1: we're really excited to see some more kids coming in for Absolutely. overnight. so we're excited to see you there and for all our listeners we'll chat with you again in a couple weeks here
0: all right guys take it easy see you back here in november